Hey, if you got your Bibles, uh, you can open them up to Psalm chapter 73. We're going to jump into this thing today. Let's, let's pray as you're turning there. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for what you're doing in this church. God, we thank you for the ministry the sailors have had here up in the kids' ministry and kids' zone in several areas. God, we pray you bless them as they transition down into this new ministry. God, we pray you be with Raymond and Jessica as they step up into this calling that you've given them and, and uh, helping out with our kids' ministry, that you bless these kids. And God, we just pray today that you be with us as we look into your word. God, as we tackle some big questions today that, that many of us have in this room, God, May, may you speak clearly and loudly through your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, through this series, we are looking, it's called Get Real. Get Real. We're looking at how we can have real conversations with God. How we can have a real relationship with God. Not just a relationship that, you know, looks good on the outside. That, you know, everybody's just like, wow, that person's just such a Christian. They look so good. No, not just on the outside, but from the inside out, how to have a real relationship with God. And so we're looking in the Psalms. We're looking in this book of Psalm, and, and because in here we see the writers pour their heart out to God. It's a collection of, of hymns and songs and, and prayers. And sometimes they, they pour out their heart to God in praise, right? And they're just, thank you, Jesus, everything's good, everything's great. We can't say thank you enough to God. But then there's other times where they pour out their questions and their doubts and their fears, right? And in the church today, it's widely acceptable to go to God with our praise. I mean, we, we did that this morning. We're, we're praising Jesus. But it can often be frowned upon to go to God with our questions, our doubts, and our fears. Like, it's okay for the psalmist to do it, but for us, it's like, ah, I've got doubt, I've got fear, I can't go to God with that. Like, I can only praise him. I can only do these things. Like my questions are too big for him. My doubts might scare him away. Uh, they might dishonor God. So again, we're looking at Psalm 73, and I think that's going to shed some light on this. And this psalm is attributed to a guy named Asaph. All right, Asaph. King David wrote many of the psalms, but, but Asaph, he's got his name on 12 of them. All right? So he's got a few, not as many as other ones, but he's got a few. And, and who Asaph is, if you look in First Chronicles, uh, you can look through there and you find his name a few times. And he's basically, he's David's worship leader. David appoints Asaph, you're the worship leader. So he says, I want you to, to lead in the singing, and also you get to play the cymbals. Um, so next week, Pastor Joni, if you could do the cymbals and sing at the same time, I think that might be more biblical. Um, we'll, we'll try that out. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how he did that. Maybe he switched off. I'll do the cymbals today and sing tomorrow. But, but this is what the role he was given. He was a worship leader. So today you might even entitle this message, Confessions of a Worship Leader. All right? He, he's got a lot of things. You think the worship leaders up here, they've got it all figured out. You think the pastors, we've got it all figured out. No. Right? We're trying. We're trying. And Asaph, he was trying. He didn't have it all figured out. And uh, so he writes this psalm, and Asaph are in Psalm 73. Um, he was a guy who knew how to have an honest conversation with God, and that's what we'll see here. So, Psalm 73, verse 1. Asaph writes this. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. So here, Asaph, he's He's looking back at a difficult period in his life. We, we don't know how long this difficult period lasted. It could have lasted 
months, it could have lasted years, it could have lasted decades. But it was definitely a difficult, dark period in his life that he's come through. And, and he's able to say on the, the backside of it that surely God is good. Surely God is good. But when he walked through this dark period, I don't think Asaph was able to say that. I don't think he was able to say, surely God is good. Now, he may have sang it on David's behalf. He may have sang it. He may have led people in worship, praising God. But if you were to get Asaph alone privately, just by himself, and, and be able to talk to him one-on-one, -on -one and, and, and he truly told you his inner thoughts, I don't think he would be able to say, God is good. This was a dark time. This was a difficult time in his life. He may have declared God's greatness on Sunday or whatever day they worshiped, but privately he wasn't able to declare God's greatness because he had questions. Now this is a scary place to be in, to sing one thing from a platform, but to say a different thing in your home. You know, maybe you're experiencing that right now. Maybe, maybe there's leaders in this room. Maybe you lead a, a Sunday school class. Maybe you lead a Bible study. Uh, you're leading kids. You're leading youth. Uh, you're, you're greeting people on the way in. Maybe you're just leading your family, right, to follow Jesus. Whatever you do, you're, you're a leader in some way, shape, or form, leading others to follow Jesus. But on the inside, you're just not sure. On the inside, you've got questions. On the inside, you're just wondering, is this thing that I'm teaching everybody else, is this real? Is this good? Is God really good? And so if you're feeling that way today, that's the way Asaph was too. And this, this psalm is for you. So I want you to just tune in a little bit extra today. Because the good news is that Asaph looked back and he said, I almost slipped. I almost lost my foothold. I almost happened. I almost lost it all. I almost couldn't tell you today that God is good, but I can tell you today, I, I've been through the difficult times, and I can say, God is good. So I want you, if you're experiencing that today, I, I believe this is a time you can look back on and say, man, I almost slipped. I almost fell, but I believe, man, God is good. See, I think this psalm is, is very culturally rele relevant and relatable uh, today. Uh, and I'll let you know why, because, so my favorite Everybody have like a favorite music band, musician, something like that, right? We all, we've all got our favorites. Well, my favorite as a kid, um, I went into my brother's room one day and he had these cassette tapes sitting under his dresser. And I was like, I'm going to take one of those, you know, because I thought if my brother's listening to it, then, then I should listen to it. and That'll be cool. And I'm going to sneak it, sneak it out and listen to it while he's not watching, you know, so he doesn't pound me later or something like that. So I sneak into his room. I grab the cassette tape, and it was a cassette tape by DC Talk. All right? Have you ever heard of DC Talk? Yeah? My favorite band growing up as a kid. I loved DC Talk. And... Uh, the problem was by the time I listened to all their music and actually like looked them up, they had already split up and they weren't a band anymore. Like I, I came to the party late and uh, today you might know them as Toby Mac um, and uh, Kevin Max who's helped out with Audio Adrenaline before and, and uh, Michael Tate who's the lead singer of the Newsboys. So they've all gone and, and done their different things but that was my favorite band growing up and I listened to them and I knew all the words and I could sing all the songs and I could still do it today. Right? They just, it was my favorite band. Well, a couple years ago, an article came out, uh, and it, it was from Kevin Max, 
one of the lead singers of this, this trio. And he started talking about how over the years he had lost his faith. And he's still working on it. He had these, these big questions. And, and man, what he believed was no longer what, what I believed. The, you know, the things that he used to sing didn't line up with what he was saying today. And I mean, it just kind of broke me. And, and one after one, I started reading other articles of other uh, Christian music bands and, and worship leaders, right? Because even if you're a rock band, you're still leading people in praise to Jesus. So you're a worship leader. So I saw about three or four articles of worship leaders who came out and said, you know what? I've lost my faith. I, I don't believe what I, what I used to believe. And, and man, that hurt. Because I mean, these are, they wrote songs that greatly influenced my life, that, that helped me closer to God, that helped me, uh, you know, go deeper in my faith. And now these guys are saying, you know what? I, I don't believe it anymore. The term they use today is faith deconstruction. And I'm trying to figure out what, what's going on here. Why are these worship leaders, these people who are supposed to be leading people towards Jesus, why are they losing their faith? And I think what happened is when what you believed your whole life, what you've been taught your whole life doesn't match up with what you're seeing happen around you, then you start to have questions and you start to lose your faith. Now, thankfully, Asaph didn't give up. And I think this is what's going on in Asaph's life. He, he sees the world around him. He knows what he's been taught, but the two just aren't meshing up, right? God, you taught me this, but I'm seeing this. How do you match him up? And he's got these big questions. And how do we get to the point where we can say, I almost slipped? How do we get our questions answered? So let's look at Asaph's hang-up. What's bothering him? Why did he almost lose it all? What was his big question? What was weighing heavy on his heart? So if you look at verse 3, we, we see the root of his questions. We see the big question that just didn't line up for him. Verse 3 says this, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. So this is his big question. See, we often ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Right? Maybe you've asked that question before. But Asaph's hang-up was, God, why do good things happen to bad people? Like, I, I don't get it. God, I don't get it. And so he goes through, and he says, God, look at these people. They're arrogant. They're wicked. They're prideful. They're violent. They've got callous hearts, God. They've got evil imaginations. They know no limits. They speak hurtful words. They oppress people. They think they're gods. In fact, they question you, God. They mock you. They belittle you, God. They do everything you told me not to do. But then I look at their lives and I see prosperity. I, I see wealth. I, there, there's no struggles. They're healthy. Uh, people follow them. They're carefree. God, I don't get it. Right? His whole life, he was taught, follow the Ten Commandments. 
follow God. Do this. Do this and you will prosper and you will succeed. Right? And he's told this. And, and the wicked, you know, don't be like the wicked. They're going to fail. And all these different things that he, he saw that he knows this is the way it's supposed to be. But now he looks out in real life and he sees the wicked people. And they're prospering. They're having a good time. It's a party every day over there. Right? They, they don't have any worries. don't have any troubles. And he's looking at it and he says, God, I don't understand. Ever had a question like that? Where what you taught and what you see just don't seem to line up? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do the wicked prosper? Now maybe you haven't had this specific question, but maybe you've had other deep questions. You know, I'm not talking about just surface level questions, but, but faith shattering questions. Questions that are shattering and shaking the foundations of your beliefs. Questions like Asaph had that perhaps maybe you're afraid to ask. You're afraid to say out loud. You're afraid you're going to offend God or offend someone else. So you just keep it to yourself and you don't say anything and you don't ask anything. You just keep the status quo. You know, maybe if I just don't ask it, maybe if I just let it sit there, it'll, it'll just go away. And, and, you know, because I'm trying to help other people out. So I, I don't need to worry about me. So we just keep those questions to ourselves, and they can go unanswered for years or, or for decades. But they never just go away. They still stay there. See, Asaph continued this line of questioning. Uh, same logic in verse 13. He says this, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. So he's saying, God, if, if the wicked prosper, then what have I been doing all these years? Why have I been, why have I been towing the line and following you if the wicked are prospering and me, on the other hand, the person who's doing everything right? New afflictions for me every day. New pains, new worries, right? You said your mercies are new every morning, but no. The pains of life are new every morning, right? And that's what I got to deal with. And so that's what he's saying, just like, Ah, God, I could have taken a different path so many times, right? That path that I've seen so many take, it's the easy route. I could have taken the easy route. I could have been living the high life. I, I could have been prospering. I could have been doing all these things. But yet I said no so many times. I've been following you. And for what? Nothing. Nothing. I just get pain. I just get pain. Where are my rewards? Where's my prosperity? Where's my wealth, God? Clearly, living for you is not working. And then he says in that verse 15 again, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. Right, have you ever been afraid to ask those questions? Have you ever been afraid to just tell God something? Like you feel like you're going to betray God? Like if I were to talk like that, that'd be wrong of me. To ask God those questions, to give him those doubts like that. God, what were you thinking? Like this doesn't make sense. God, clearly you must be wrong because you taught me one way, but... I'm seeing reality here, and it's working out a different way. And so for years, Asaph's kept this inside. He says, no, I, I don't want to offend God that way. And, and besides, I'm the worship leader, right? I'm the one who has to have it all together. Everybody's looking to me to make sure I hit all the right notes, to make sure I sing all the right songs, and uh, I'm a worship leader. i got to have it all together, right? And if, and if I question God, then how's everybody else going to, what are they going to do? 
they're probably going to question God too. So I can't lead people that way. And so because of all this pressure, he kept it to himself. He kept it to himself. But here's the problem. Questions left unasked can lead to bitterness towards God. When we just keep those questions to ourselves and we don't ask them and we just hide them and we just, you know, sweep it under the rug and, and we just hide it in a closet, uh, eventually that can lead towards bitterness towards God. See, those worship leaders I was telling you about before that had lost their faith, it didn't happen in just one day. They didn't just wake up one morning and be like, you know what? I don't believe in God anymore. No, this, was, this happened over time. And in fact, in reading all of their stories, uh, these are the literal questions that they said they struggled with. One question was, why don't I see miracles happen today? God, you said that miracles happen, so why don't I see them? Another question, why, why are there what seems to be contradictions in the Bible? Man, I'm reading through this thing, and some things just don't line up. God, I don't get it. Why are some of the Christians that I know the most judgmental people on earth? God, that doesn't line up with, with what your word says Christians should be. Why would a loving God send people to hell simply for not believing? Why would God allow evil and suffering in the world? Is the Holy Spirit real or do I just feel him in emotional moments? Right, so these are real questions that these worship leaders had that, that they admit today. These are questions that I struggled with for a long time. And in fact, one, one of the artists compared losing his faith to a sweater that was unraveling. Again, it didn't happen all in one day. It just, you ever had that where a piece of your clothing just starts ripping and you pull out that string and, you know, instead of tying it off or doing anything like that, it just kind of keeps on unraveling slowly, day by day, wash by wash. And before you know it, it's like, when did this become like a midriff here? You know, like, what happened? I can't call this a sweater anymore. And it was the same thing in their lives. It was just, you know, we feel like we need to keep the responsibility. We, we need the total line. We're, we're a Christian music artist. We're, we're a worship leader. And we're, we're praising Jesus up here. So I've got these big questions. And if I start asking these big questions, then... People aren't going to follow me anymore. People aren't going to come to my shows anymore. People aren't going to buy my albums anymore, right? And it's not just about the, the me factor, but then that hurts the whole team. That hurts the whole band. That hurts the whole crew and affects a lot. of. So I've just got to keep it in to myself and, you know, keep my questions to myself. But the problem was those lasted for years and for years and for years until one day they just figured there was no answer to those questions. There was no answers to those questions. And that's what was going on to Asaph. He just felt like, man, I, I can't admit this. I can't, I can't ask these questions. I'm going to hurt too many people. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've got these big questions about God. These big things that, you know, you're taught one way, but in reality, they just don't seem to, to line up. And you've got these questions. But the problem is, again, if we just hold on to them and we never ask them, because we're afraid we're going to hurt people. In reality, we just end up being bitter towards God. As we see this. Uh, but let me say this, one, one important thing. There's a difference between Asaph here. Asaph did one big thing. He did one important thing with his question that changed everything. 
So let's see what he did in verse 16. He says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destination. Surely you place them, talking about wicked people, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. So here's the big thing that Asaph did, right? This is important. This is what we need to do with our questions. He went to God with his questions and his doubts. That's what he did. And I encourage you today, have an honest conversation with God about your questions and doubts. Don't let that thing fester. Don't let that thing build up inside of you, but come and have a real conversation with God. I mean, that took some courage to go to God with that question, to talk to God that way. You know, to be like, God, look at all these wicked people, right? Look at all these people who are doing it the wrong way, but yet they're being blessed. And here I am following you, and I'm not. Anybody prayed that prayer lately? <laughs> right? Right? That's not a prayer that we like to pray often. That doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. But here's the thing. It was honest. And God wants to get to the heart of the matter. See, he wrestled and wrestled with why did God do good things to bad people? And why am I working so hard to obey God and not getting anything in return? And again, this stood inside Asaph for, we don't know, years, maybe decades and it created a bitterness in his soul until he was finally desperate enough to get to that place to talk to God, have a real conversation with him. Even though he was a worship leader, even though he was supposed to be holy, even though he was supposed to be leading God's people. He went to God with his doubts. He went to God with his fears. He went to God with his questions. And he had an honest conversation with God. He didn't try to put lipstick on the pig. He asked his big, ugly question to God. Spoken with all the pain and hurt and bitterness that had been festering inside of him. And he found out in that moment that God wasn't afraid of his questions. God wasn't afraid of his doubts. In fact, not only was he not afraid, but, but God actually had answers to his difficult questions that he'd been wrestling with for so long. See, God's answer to Asaph was basically this. And this is an answer to a lot of our big questions. He's like, Asaph, you're viewing the situation like this. You can see this tiny little piece of life right now. You see the wicked and they're prospering. But let me take the blinders off and let me show you the big picture that I see from eternity to eternity, right? See, in the eternal perspective, the wicked prosper for a very short amount. Compared to eternity, they prosper for for basically nothing. It's just, just a breath. But here's the thing. You're suffering right now, but for eternity, you're going to have victory. You're, you're, you're going to succeed. You're going to be with me in heaven, right? That's ultimately what he's saying. But the wicked, they're going to fail. They're, they're going to be here today, gone tomorrow. They'll be forgotten. They'll be thrown down. They'll be destroyed. So I want you to look at the bigger picture. See, in your, your very small purview, yeah, your, your questions make sense. But when you open it up and you change the perspective and you see it from my perspective, my ways make sense. Do what's right. 
stay the course because eternity matters. It, it may hurt today, but let me tell you, tomorrow you're going to be walking in victory. They may be in victory today, but tomorrow they're going to be hurting. And, and so that's what he tells them, and he gives them this answer. See, God's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubts. But we need to bring, in, bring them to him. Otherwise, they just grow inside of us. And, and we think there is no answer or there is no God. And they stay doubts and they stay fears. And God never is able to show us this bigger picture. He's never able to show us a bigger perspective. You see, Asaph's tune changed after he met with God. It was no longer a chore to lead worship. I mean, I wonder how long that, that Asaph just sat in there and he tried to lead worship just out of his skills and abilities and not out of his spirit, not out of, not out of honesty to God. But now today, after God had answered his questions, after he went into the sanctuary of God and God spoke to him, man, his tune changed. Those words were no longer just words, but it came from the heart. He had something to sing now, and we see that in verse 21. He says this, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, there's that word, embittered. He got bitter because uh, he had questions that weren't answered. He says, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So notice the, the change of tune in Asaph's voice here. Notice his words. Man, whom have I in heaven but you? God, I want to honor you. You're all that I care about. But man, just a little bit ago, I don't think I could have said God is good. But now that's all I want to do is say God is good. He said, I was grieved. Man, I was, I was bitter. Now bitterness, right? It's just another word for unforgiveness. It's another word for unforgiveness. And uh, we're often unforgiving towards people and bitterness can grow inside of us. But how much worse is unforgiveness toward God? Unforgiveness toward God, bitterness towards God. See, when we have all these questions, but we never go to God and never allow him to answer, we just assume we know the answer. Or we assume the lack of an answer. So we become bitter. We become unforgiving towards God. You know, we start thinking, man, how could a good God allow evil and suffering in this world? That's the question we've got. And so we just stew on that. We just stew on that. We see, man, how can God allow all these kids to starve? Like, this is just wrong. Wouldn't a good God come down and, and just save them and, and help them out? Wouldn't a good God do this? And so we start asking these questions. How can a good God allow suffering and pain and evil in this world? And, and, and we just stew on that. And rather than trying to ask God about it, we just keep it to ourselves and we build our case. We, we build our de defense and, and, and we start saying, God, I thought you were good. I, I thought you were, you were loving. And then all of a sudden now we're standing bitter towards God because we had big questions, but we never asked anybody. We never asked God to answer them. We just kept them to ourselves. So he says, I was grieved. I was bitter. Then he also says, I was a senseless, ignorant, brute beast. Man, what words, you know? He could really put some words together. 
But he says, even when I was a senseless, ignorant, brute beast, you were still there for me. You're still there for me, God. Even, even in the midst of your questions, God's still there for you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't betrayed you. He's right there. Right now, even in your deepest, darkest, faith-shattering questions, God is with you. God is with you. And it says he's been with you all along, holding your right hand. He wasn't put off by Asaph's questions. He was right there. See, you may feel this morning like you've run as far from God as you can. I mean, that even you've intentionally tried to distance yourself from God. Well, guess what? You didn't get away. God's still right there with you. He's still guiding you. He's still holding your hand. Even if you don't want him to, he's still there. Uh, there is a, a poem that I had hanging up in my bedroom as a kid, and I still think about it today. Probably many of you have heard of it. It was called Footprints in the Sand. Let me read it for you. It says, One night I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. And I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, you would leave me. And he whispered, my precious child, I love you and I will never leave you. Never ever. During your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. God still does the same for us today. He walks by us. He's with us. Not just in the good times, not just when we feel him. But even in the dark times, even in the quiet times, when you're just sitting there and you're crying out, God, God, and it's just like you hear nothing and you think, man, he's not there. No, he's still there. He hasn't left you. He's carrying you through it. He's helping you through those deep questions. He's just waiting for you to ask. He's waiting for you to turn to him. He's, he's there. He was in this moment after hearing from God that Asaph looked back in his life and his journey to realize that God was still with him. In the dark times and the questions and the doubts, he never stopped holding his hand. He never stopped supporting him. And he goes on to say, you counsel me, you take me to glory. Whom do I have in heaven but you? You are all I want. See, Asaph realized that although he felt pain and afflictions today, that it wasn't going to be that way all the time, that God was going to take him to glory, that there was hope, that he had a future, that he had a plan, that he had plans for eternity. And God was ultimately going to lead him to glory when his days on earth were numbered. And he says, all I want is you. My body might give out, but God, you are my strength. You are my portion. You are everything. God, you are good. God, you are good. He couldn't say that during those dark times. But today, that's all he can say is, God, you're good. God, you're my everything. God, you're all I want. God, you're all I I don't want anything else in this world except you. God, whom do I have in heaven but you? And this earth has nothing else besides you. You're the only one that I want. 
And so he comes to this conclusion at the very end. In verse 28, he says this, But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. See, he makes the choice to stay. He makes the choice to stay faithful to God, to say, God, you are good. Man, I'm still believing for, for all those worship leaders that, that I followed and listened to. I, I still believe that one day they'll be able to say, you know what, I brought my questions to God. And he had answers. And I almost slipped. I almost fell. But I can still say that God is good today. And that's my prayer for you. Maybe you're sitting there today and, and you're just feeling that. You're just feeling like, man, is this, is this God even real? Can he even answer these big questions? Well, I believe he can when we bring him to him. And we lay him at the altar and we say, God, here it is. Here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. What do you want to speak to me today? And you'll be able to look back at that dark time and say, God was with me all the time. He never left me. And he had an answer to my question. And today I can declare God is good. And I'm going to tell the next generation. Worship team, would you come? I want to give you an opportunity today just to to be able to ask God those questions. Because today, let me ask you this. Can you say God is good? I mean, from, from the depths of your heart. If we were to sit down one-on-one, could you say God is good and mean it? Not, not just for a show, not just, not just because you think that's the right answer, but from the depths of your heart, can you say, surely God is good? Are there questions that are holding you back, that are stopping you, that, that are getting in the way that you just think, man, until I get my question resolved, until I get this question answered, I, I can't go forward. Well, today, don't let that be the day that that question stews for another day, that it festers for another day. Let today be the day that you bring it before God. You lay it at this altar and just say, God, God, why? God, why? I don't get it. What I'm taught and what I'm seeing in reality, they don't seem to match up. God, what's, what's the answer? Because that's the best place to go first. And beyond that, I encourage you, may we as a church be a question or a place that's not afraid of questions, that's not a, a place that's afraid of doubts. May this be a safe place that we can bring our questions and that we can go to God's word and we can find scripture and it can change us. May we always be willing to be changed by Scripture, to be changed by truth, to be changed by the Word of God. Would you stand with me? Today we're, we're going to close with this song and we're just going to open these altars. And, and if you've got a question that you just want to bring before God, I encourage you, take this moment and just ask God your questions. In your own language, have that honest conversation with God. Have that real conversation with God so you can have a real relationship with God. Get real with God. That's what this is all about. Get real with God. Just like the psalm writers were, just like Asaph was, the worship leader, he got real with God. And guess what? It changed everything. Let's get real with God today. So I'm going to pray. These altars are open, but let's just seek after God this morning. Jesus, God, we've got questions and you've got answers. So God, we lay it all down before you today. God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us individually. These things, God, maybe there's questions in here that have been stewing and festering for years and years and years. And God, I pray that you would speak to hearts today. 
that you would open your word, that you would show them verses today that, that, that they've known for a long time, but to give them new meaning. God, give them fresh meaning, fresh eyes today of what you want to do. So God, answer questions just like you did to Asaph. Do it again today. God, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the time. Let's seek after God. Let's meet him in these altars. Let's go to him with our questions today. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here. I find my rest. Without him.
God, we need you. We need you for all of life's questions. So God, we, we bring our questions, we bring our doubts, we bring our fears to you. God, knowing you're, you're not intimidated by them, you're not offended by them, but God, you want to hear our hearts. So God, hear our hearts this morning, hear our cries this morning. And God, may, may you answer us. God, may you speak. God, show us your way. Show us your perspective today, God. We need a heavenly perspective. God, I pray that you would be with us in this place. God, be with us as we go this week, as, as, we, as we travel, as we go to work. God, that you'd be with us. Bless your people. God, as we choose to follow you, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, church, these altars are open. I encourage you to take some time. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next Sunday. No Sunday school, but uh, we've got a missionary here. Join us for coffee. Uh, join us in the service next Sunday.